Fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Look at him, kid. To infinity and beyond! It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me, and my natural response could be to get offended. Well, fine, let's talk about it. Any thoughts of, of your own on this matter? But you, is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own idea just to impress some girls? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. That's right, you're listening to the 30-something movie podcast, and this time around, our movie tonight is... And that's going to do it for this episode of the 30-something movie. Did you see what I did? I I did see what you did there. I left it as a cliffhanger. Yeah. 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 Very illustrative of you. I, I, I try to be illustrative. Yeah. Or is it illustrative? Illustrative, both. Lust, lustrous? No, that's not right. Lust? No, lush, never luscious. mind. Luscious. I think that's it. Luscious, or just a lush. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, now it that we've a- now that we've introduced John, the host, <laughs> <laughs> Bo, Pat, how are you guys doing? Very well, oh, John. Fine. Good. Good. So we are here for some high high adrenaline action for this movie. An emphasis on the high because this is this is I mean this this movie I think takes it to the vertical limit. Oh. Mm. Wow. Is this the peak okay. of action? Well. Okay. I I'm sorry. I just uh, I I wasn't prepared for beginning in this manner i can recover i'm sorry my but... I, I feel like that's been said before well my apologies let's let's restart this i next week when we talk about groundhog day i feel like we'll restart the show several times <laughs> yes. that's a definite possibility Just because yes. I, I think it's it's probably needed all right let's let's start over hi my name is john this is the 30 something movie podcast and tonight i have with me Bo and pat Bo, pat how are you doing well john how are you Good. Pat, how are you doing? Hi, John. I'm good, John. How good. are you? Good. Good times. Good times. times. And this Fun is the times. this is the 30-something delicious dish podcast. Mm, food pod. <laughs> food. Food pod. I do have some delicious Christmas treats over here if you'd like me to take them out. No? What Christmas treats <laughs> are you, you going to eat there, them for us, John? <laughs> uh, that's probably about as far as we take this one. Yeah, I think yeah, we'll yeah. have to. <laughs> I, was, I was getting nervous and starting to sweat over here. <laughs> you got some sweaty balls? <laughs> <laughs> clearly, that's clearly clearly that's not as far as we're taking it. No, he's right. Well, you always got to go right up it's, to that edge and then just a little bit further. Yeah, you go right up Sometimes to the edge. Sometimes you got to cr- You do. You go right up to the edge, and then you regard it as you pass by. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our movie tonight 
is is not vertical limit. It's it's not Pete's sweaty balls. It's not any of those. Our movie tonight is Cliffhanger. Sylvester Stallone, Yay! John Lithgow. So yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna jump onto that one here in just a second. Be warned, we just talk freely here, so the spoilers may just pop out whenever whenever the opportunity arises. So I'll just be uh-huh. warned about that. If you have not, visit our website, 30 Podcasts. It's 30 and the word podcast.com. You can listen to all of our episodes there. You can rate the episodes. You can leave a voicemail. You can become a co-executive producer via Patreon, where you get a whole bunch of bonus content over there. There's all kinds of bonus episodes, little short episodes we do from time to time, and then longer full-length episodes. And then there are other benefits to being a Patreon patron over there as well. So you become a co-executive producer of the show. So we, we do appreciate all of those that have been joining us over there and supporting the show in that way. We appreciate you all so, so very much. It does help keep the uh, keep the lights on over here at the 30-something Movie Podcast. So thank you so much for doing that. All right. I don't think I've got anything else before we jump into part of our discussion here, but this is the first episode of the month. And when it is the first episode of the month, we do tend to like to... Jump in that DeLorean and head back in time. This is this is our month of March, and we are calling the theme for this month One Bad Day. So all of our movies are about something going fairly terribly wrong, and a lot of them doing so over the course of one day or, or close to one day. So our movies this time around, we've got Cliffhanger, obviously, is today's. Groundhog Day will be next week. True Romance, and we're going to have a guest host with us for that one, so that'll be a lot of fun. Falling Down will be after that, and The Fugitive will finish us off at the end of March. So that's what we got coming up over the next month or so. But because this is the first episode of the month, that means that we are going to hop in the DeLorean, head back in time to this month in 1993, and see what was going on. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour... You're gonna see some serious... All right, so back in time. Some important events that happened in March of 1993. March 1st, 93 was the first day of Women's History Month being observed in the United States. On March 3rd, the World Trade Center bombing in New York City killed six people and injured more than 1,000. And unfortunately, obviously would not be the last terrorist bombing or terrorist attack at the World Trade Center. March 13th, the blizzard of 1993 hits the eastern United States, causing widespread damage and at least 270 deaths. And then March 18th, the Oslo Accords, a peace agreement between Israel and the Palestinian Liberation Organization, are signed at the White House. Famous births around this time. March 1st, Justin Bieber, Canadian singer and songwriter, was born. March 11th, Anthony Davis, an American basketball player, was born. And then deaths, we have a couple here in particular. March 23rd, Brandon Lee, the American actor and martial artist, who was born in 1965. He died. And then March 27th, Cesar Chavez, American labor leader and civil rights activist, who was born in 1927, died. Top book was Robert James Waller's Bridges of Madison County. The top movie was Groundhog Day, directed by Harold Ramis and starring Bill Murray and Andy McDowell. And the top song was A Whole New World by Peebo Bryson and Regina Bell from the Aladdin soundtrack. That is March 93. Do you guys have anything else March 93-wise? Do you know where you were and what you were doing in March of 93? Probably picking my nose. You know. 
Picking my nose, picking my nose. And you can pick your friends, and you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friends' noses. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend March it. No. It's usually frowned upon. Literally and figuratively. March of 93. I was just finished on my first year of high school, I think. Well, right. actually, you don't finish a year in March. That's true. Well, um, some if, people, you do, some might, if you do, you got something going on. I mean, maybe it's a good yeah. thing. I'm just saying. Like, But you got something going I'm on. I'm going to say 93. Yeah, that's right. Doogie Hauser. 93. Yeah, that would have been 93. When are the jazz festivals? You know what? I think I think that was right around. I'd have to take a look. I'd have to take a look and see when the jazz festivals are. Because if that was if that was March of '93, that's right about when I saw my first Maynard Ferguson concert at the New Trier Jazz Festival. Okay. And that just that just set the music world on its edge for Pat Canigallo. Set your little seeing musical, Maynard for, your little musical heart a pitter patter. Oh my goodness! Yep. You have no idea. <laughs> Well, knowing you now, I have a little bit of an idea. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was like, yeah, that was, that kind of helped set, set, set my, my, my vision into like, like basically I was seeing the world through a straw Yeah. and at the end of the straw was the trumpet after seeing that. So let's, maybe it was February. Yeah, it might've been February. So I'm, so this doesn't count. But you're around that time. Print of retraction. Yeah. Yeah. Print of retraction. Print of retraction. We don't. We of all the years we've been doing this, we don't print retractions. We we don't need no stinking retractions. Okay, so I'm just going to correct from last month. Okay, that's. Fine. I should have put that at last month. Ah, that's all right. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. All right. Well, our movie this time around is Cliffhanger. It came out on the 28th of May, 1993, rated R, with a runtime of one hour 53 minutes. Directed by Rennie Harlan, who did Deep Blue Sea and The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Writers for this one were John Long, Michael France, and Sylvester Stallone. Long did Gorilla Monsoon. France did Fantastic Four, the 2005 version. And Stallone wrote Staying Alive. Producers were Rennie Harlan and Alan Marshall. Harlan did, and I want to apologize in advance, Patrick, I I couldn't 100% recall this might be the movie we don't talk about other than Pearl Harbor, but Harlan was a producer for Driven. Driven. The Sylvester Stallone. Hmm, I'm not, uh, I'm, oh, yeah, okay, you don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about what's, I don't know, I don't know anything about it. Okay, all right, I just, I wanted to check. That confirms that that's the movie we don't talk about. <laughs> oh, it's okay, John. It's, it's entertaining in its own way. I mean, is it like entertaining as in like watching paint dry or? Oh, not, not like watching paint dry. Okay. It's, the, the paint it's, is more interesting. It's, uh, yeah. It's, it's sort of like, no, well, no, no, it's interesting. It's interesting. All right. I, I think uh, dyed in the wool race fans might take a look at it and just go, oh, okay. And then Mario Kart might be a little bit more factually accurate in describing how racing happens gotcha. in real okay. life than this movie. But okay. you know, what the heck, who am I to say? Who am I to say it was, it's, it's something though. It's, it's, it's entertaining in its own right. Let's so, just leave it at that. So here's a question before we've even gotten into discussing this movie, I'm just going to ask this question now. Yes. I'll, I'll well, let's take a little pause here for a second from the rest of okay. the rest of the, the trivia knowledge here. What movie are we talking about? We're talking about cliffhanger. Oh, cliffhanger! Yeah, oh, okay. but, I, but I'm asking, but I'm asking a question that relates to Driven and Cliffhanger. 
does okay. does Sylvester Stallone then make movies that just make people angry about the pastime they enjoy? Because well, I don't know. Are there because mom, because, are there mountain well, climbers I've, that are upset about? Th- I've I've read from some of the stuff I was reading about this movie is that there were mountain climbers who there were climbers, rock climbers that were like, "This is this movie's ridiculous." Like it's it's not realistic at all. This is not how you use the like bolt gun tool. This is not you don't use these kind of moves when you're rock climbing. Now, granted, that could be just about any movie because I know some people that watch the Rocky movies and they're like, "That's not how boxing works." And I right. you've said that before about Driven. So I'm just wondering. And, and and Sylvester Stallone's not the only person to have made a movie that was not factually accurate. I mean, it happens all the time. But I think it's kind of interesting that we we have. This movie that I, I think quite a few rock climbers got a little frustrated with in terms of the accuracy. And then you mentioned in Driven, Mario Kart may be more accurate than the movie Driven. Yeah, I, I think, I think having never really climbed mountains, I would say Driven is a little bit more over the top, not uh, believable. I see what you did there. Then, yeah, I see what I'm saying Driven is a little bit more over the top, not believable than this movie is to mountain climbing. I, okay. I, I would just hazard a guess. Like, like Driven is is pretty over the top. When when you look at it, it's like, oh my, oh my gosh. And, every, and every time, every spoilers. time you mention, every time you mention over the top, I'm like, those your your Sylvester Stallone movie jokes are just you just you're you're striking hard and fast. You're like a cobra, Pat, <laughs> piling on. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I want to be careful because, like, there's things that you could look at that with any movie. Yeah. Right. And that's why those things that are so fun to watch, where they, there's a ton of them up on on YouTube where they get like the lawyers that talk about courtroom dramas Mm -hmm. and they get like, you know, like, go get like someone that served in in the Navy SEAL teams or something Mm -hmm. and they'll talk about war movies or that's why those things are so fun to see. I, I don't know. Like, I, and I have to talk to mountain climbers. I, I mean, in terms of race movies, you got to make something that's like totally accurate. Like you could sit here and pick apart Rush or Ford versus Ferrari and oh, yeah. like that. But those are made really well. I mean, you could sit and pick apart Days of Thunder, but it's a really entertaining movie. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like if it if it gets people excited for the sport or the thing, then okay, you, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, you kind of go with it. And like Dennis Matuch, being a boxer, you would be the first to point out, like, okay, well, the fights that are shown in Rocky aren't really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. not the way it goes, especially after 15 rounds. Mm-hmm. But then also, you ask him about Rocky, and Rocky's this guy, right? You put oh, that yeah. soundtrack on, and Matuch, like, yeah, you know. So I, I think, I, I think you just gotta. I think you have to be careful picking on movies and, and picking, picking apart movies, mm-hmm. right? That being said, I'm just going to say Driven was a different level of, of, of crazy. Driven, um, Driven I, shares I your, it, the, the accuracy level of Driven is, is, is equaled or surpassed only by your love of Pearl Harbor. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I'm I'm really I'm I'm on the I'm on the edge here because like I said, I said it last week. I, I am turning over a new leaf. I'm I I've I've kind of been stung by the yum yuckers of the world as mm-hmm. of late, so I don't want to be someone that does it. If if you can find a person that really enjoys watching Driven, that's awesome. But I 
I, I don't know if it would get people excited for racing. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Okay. It's just I'm I'm curious. I've never seen it. I'm you're making me more curious I, to see it now. I I think it's worth it. I, you gotta watch it at some point. I do love a good train wreck every now and then. Yeah, and it's well, there's wrecks. I'll tell you yeah. that. I mean, there's lots of cars like flying through the air. Okay. I mean, it's almost it, it it's sort of like it's like going into the quantum realm, mm-hmm. right? Where you lose all sense of time and space and you're not sure which way is up and if you shrink too small, you'll never come back and all that kind of stuff. That's kind of like that's that's kind of what happens when you watch it. Oh, so it's like when people let Michael Bay loose from his babysitter and they allow him to just write a movie on his own. There you go. Okay. All right. There you go. That works. All right. So, I, I, yeah. 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 Let's see. So producers on this one, we said were Rennie Harlan, who also produced driven and Alan Marshall, who also produced starship troopers. Music for this one is done by Trevor Jones, who did Last of the Mohicans and Dark City. Cinematography by Alex Thompson, who died in 2007. He did Jesus Christ Superstar and Legend. Editor for this one was Frank J. Urosti. He did RoboCop and Die Hard. The budget was $70 million. The box office was $255 million for this one. So it made a lot of money. It, it made more money than was in those cases. So that's kind of impressive. <laughs> Flickmetrics gives it a 62% and CinemaScore gives it a B. Starring Sylvester Stallone as Gabe Walker. He was in Rocky and Over the Top. John Lithgow was Eric Quaylen. He was in Harry and the Hendersons and The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Michael Rooker was Hal Tucker. He was in The Walking Dead and Guardians of the Galaxy. Janine Turner was Jesse Dane. She was in Steel Magnolias and Northern Exposure. Rex Lynn was Richard Travers. He was in Rush Hour and Wyatt Earp. Caroline Goodall was Christelle. She was in Schindler's List and Hook. Leon played Kinnett. He was in Colors and Cool Runnings. Craig Fairbrass played Delmar. He was in Top of the Pops and For Queen and Country. And Paul Winfield, who died in 2004, played Walter Wright. He was in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and The Terminator. All right. Some little trivia stuff here for you. So the film actually holds the record for the most expensive aerial stunt, featuring Simon Crane crossing between two planes at 15,000 feet without safety devices or trick photography. To enable the production, Sylvester Stallone reduced his fee by the cost of the stunt as the insurance company would not cover the stuntman. Stunt was filmed in the U.S. because it's illegal in Europe, where most of the movie was shot. Though Crane did not enter the second plane, clever editing creates the illusion that he did. A sequel to the movie was planned in 1994 by TriStar Pictures and Carol Co. Pictures, titled The Dam, where Salone's character fights terrorists who take over Hoover Dam. Mm. However, the project never progressed beyond the developmental stage. Stallone attempted to revive it in 2008, but was unsuccessful. I feel like then then you start to get into the diehard thing of how can the same thing happen to the same guy twice? Right. I understand it if you're James Bond and you're an international spy. That's why the same thing happens to the same guy twice. But if you're exactly. a, if you're like a mountain search and rescue guy, then how does the whole terrorist thing happen to you twice? Little uh, little suspect there. The late Wolfgang Gulich widely regarded as one of the most skillful, daring, and popular rock climbers of all time, performed as a climbing double for for Sylvester Stallone in this movie, and uh, he actually died in a car accident shortly after filming had wrapped. 
In the original version of this, there was a 40-foot jump from one cliff to another by Sylvester Stallone's character, and it was shown to test audiences, but they later cut it from the movie because the test audiences considered it to be impossible, and they were laughing at it during the test screening. You mean laughing at the star doing a stunt is bad? Apparently. Here's here's where, even though I mentioned vertical limit earlier, here's where that comes in. The clip was actually later redone using computer graphics for a shorter jump in the film's final scene, and a similar jump was actually later featured in the movie Vertical Limit. <laughs> and then finally, this is, for me, this is just personally, this is my most favorite piece of trivia that I found for this movie, is the character of Quaylen, played by John Lithgow, chewing like a like a rabid puppy, chewing every bit of scenery he had. Rennie Harlan's first choice to play Quaylen was none other than the star man himself, David Bowie. <laughs> I think that could have been fun. I agree. I, I would have loved to have seen that. So... All right. Did you guys have anything trivia-wise that you know or sh- or want to share about this movie before we head on into our synopsis and our major moments? No, man. I think once, okay. All right. All right. The synopsis for this one. In a world where danger lurks at every turn, one man will face his greatest challenge yet. Sylvester Stallone stars as Gabriel Walker, a mountain climber haunted by a tragic past. When a routine rescue mission turns into a fight for survival, he must battle both the elements and a group of ruthless terrorists led by John Lithgow. With death-defying stunts and heart-pounding action, Cliffhanger will keep you on the edge of your seat until the very end. Get ready for a thrill ride like no other. So there is no dialogue whatsoever in that trailer. (laughs) I know. And I'm going to jump in and say that was interesting music. Yeah. It almost had the sound of glory. Um, Mm. Charging a 
not Fort Sumter, I forget what the name of the fort was they charged at the end of Glory, but mm. it just it sounded like Glory, and it was not the it was not the soundtrack music. So I don't know if it was the temp track or what they said, but I, I but at least well I don't want to speak. Well, because that's that's Mozart's Diazire. Right. Is that, is that what that's titled? Yeah. Yeah, because that's the DS Ira from from Mozart. I'm trying to remember what the full title of that is, but DS Ira Mozart from the Requiem. Yeah, it's from it's from the third section of Mozart's Requiem, the third section called Sequentia, and the first part DS Ira. Which also has the uh, has the other ones that like in the movie Amadeus, you hear the Rex Tremende, the Confutatus, the Lacrimosa. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was the DS Irae from Mozart's Requiem. Well, very cool. So yeah. obviously they put that in as filler, or you know, because I don't think they use that in the movie. No, no, I don't remember it being in the so. movie. Well, and that's that's one of the things about this trailer is you don't have any dialogue. You have just this very epic classical music to it so even if and 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 we'll talk about this a little bit as we go along because i think we spoiler alert we all i think enjoyed this movie but i think we can also recognize that this movie is maybe it maybe has quite a few flaws to it and so if you're going to take a movie that maybe has some flaws maybe if if you consider the flaws to be with the writing or with any of the performances or anything like that how do you then take a movie that maybe you're worried about and sell it to audiences? Well, you put some pretty epic music in the trailer. You show the visuals, and you just go, bam, here's Cliffhanger. Come see it. And I think that's, that's if, if anybody who made this movie was at all worried about it, I think that's probably how you do it. Like you put some great music. You don't need any dialogue. You can just sell this movie with the intense visuals and get people, get their butts in the seats. So I'm not saying that's what they did, but if, if I were a movie producer and I was putting this together, then maybe that would be one reason I would do something like that. Because it's not very often that you have a movie trailer that has no dialogue from the movie at all. Right. It's Most of the time we're talking about the dialogue that they didn't end up using, but that was in the trailer. Right. Yeah. So, all right. So major moments from this one. I'm just going to walk us through because it's it's pretty much once you get like to the middle of the movie, it's pretty much the, the only description for this is Stallone fights terrorist on mountain mm. and, and, and just different variations of that. So we will start off at the beginning, though, because we know that this is at least partially written by Sylvester Stallone. Stallone has a tendency to write his movies about characters who are in some way tortured maybe by their past or something that happened in their past and they require redemption of some kind and so that's a that's a pretty regular thing that pops up in Sylvester Stallone's movies that he writes and so we we have his character Gabe is going to need something in his past to torture him because we start the movie off and he's pretty confident and, and he knows what he's doing and he's skilled. And, and so we have this, uh, we have where Hal has taken his very inexperienced girlfriend up on this tower, this rock tower, has taken her up there and they've basically gotten stuck, I think because of the weather and, and conditions. They've gotten stuck up there. They need a rescue. 
And as part of the rescue, they need to kind of slide across a line from this tower to another another mountaintop where they can then get picked up by the helicopter. As Hal gets over just fine, but then as his girlfriend Sarah is coming over, her equipment, and she's scared to be up there anyway, but her equipment then snaps, and she is literally holding on just by gripping the, you know, gripping the, the not part of the cable, but by gripping part of her harness that she had had, and she's just holding on with one hand. And as she's starting to slip, Sylvester Stallone's character gets out there, Gabe gets out there, is able to grab her hand, but in in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade fashion, it is that darn glove that ends up coming loose, and she ends up falling to her death. And his buddy Hal will ultimately blame him for what he thinks was several mistakes that he made in getting out there and trying to save her. So that is the tortured past that we're going to be dealing with for the rest of this movie. Fast forward eight months, and next major moment is he's packing up and moving out because he has been gone for a bit, but he's come back to get the rest of his belongings, and he is ready to go. Um, and kind of tries to get Jesse to go with him if she's willing to, but she's not really interested in doing that. So he's going to pack up his stuff and just go because he's not. He's lost the. He's lost the feel for the rock climbing, and he's not not ready to get not ready to get back out there. He wants to go do something else. So then the next major moment is we have the midair heist. And this was a pretty intense scene where you've got the the heist between the two planes and them trying to steal these cases with all this money in it. I think it was the, they were uncirculated bills valuing, was it over $100 million? That sounds right. I think $100 million was their total. Can we just spare a second for sure. when they were all about ready to board that plane? Yeah. I think at one point there were like four or five actors on screen that all came directly out of central casting for 80s that guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was like, dude, it's that and that guy and that and that guy. Yeah. And that guy and that guy. And I couldn't think of one of their names. Oh, yeah. Because I'm an idiot. But I mean, it was all that guys. I could name like, oh, that guy was in these 10 movies. That guy was in this. Mm -hmm. That guy was in this. That guy. how awesome, like that right away made the movie awesome. It was like they took every that guy and put them in this movie. Yeah. All in the same room. I'm just, I just, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just wanted no, to no. Think, put a smile. No, you were dead on with that. Not at all. Yeah. So they, they get to that point where they're going to bust these things. They're going to take off the back part of the plane and they're going to bust these things out of there and, and cable them across to the other plan and uh, to the other plane. And then I thought it was kind of funny that this, this one, the undercover agent there, you know, starts, starts grabbing these guys with masks on their head. And, and one of them says, or perhaps he's wondering why someone would shoot a man before throw him out, throwing him out of a plane. And the CIA agent says, well, at least you can talk. Who are you? It doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our plan. I thought that was really interesting. And then the guy takes off his mask and it's Bane. <laughs> Am I am I mixing two movies here? Am I getting this is the I feel like this is the wrong thing. I think you're conflating like things. How about that? That's inconceivable. I don't think this movie means what you think it means. Probably not, but still true. <laughs> we we continually digress and digest and hopefully, if not, we're in trouble. Um, but yes, we have the midair heist and uh, they, they are starting to get these cases, but then bad things happen and everything comes crashing down. And this is where, this is the, the catalyst for the whole deal is they've lost these cases. They're able to track them, but they've lost them in the mountains and they, 
they basically need to call for help and they are going to kind of coerce and force the mountain rescue people to help them find these cases. So that is the next major moment is they get Hal and Gabe and they are forcing them to find the cases or they will be killed. The rest of kind of the middle of the movie is exactly what I said before. It's Gabe fights terrorists on mountain. And in different ways, he he escapes at one point. They think he's dead, and he's kind of able to to take some out. And it's there's a little bit of diehard stuff going on here. And so we we can kind of fast forward then to towards the end of the movie, where Jesse is now part of this, and Gabe and Jesse are hanging out. They're trying to save Hal. Frank, poor Frank, doesn't really make it. He comes in the helicopter, and and Frank Frank's Frank's life as an artist and as a living, breathing human being ends fairly quickly at that point. And then you get the uh, helicopter showdown at the end between Quaylen and Gabe. And that does not end well for Senor Quaylen. And uh, all, all said and done, they are the, the two, the two kind of clueless teenage guys get gunned down as well. That was kind of a sad scene. Yeah, that was I mean, I was like, okay, so the guys are kind of hapless, but you don't need to gun these guys down. I mean, by the time they had killed Frank... And then they start to gun down these guys. I'm like, wow, this you just really trying to you're, you're really showing not telling about how how evil John <laughs> Lithgow is here. Let's. It's almost like the bomb scene in the 1966 Batman movie. It's like, okay, so he's trying to get rid of a bomb, and there's nuns, and then there's a baby in a carriage, and then there's a marching band, and then there's ducklings, and it, yes, let's just continue to show all the most extreme ways that this bomb is a terrible thing. Or John Lithgow is a terrible, terrible villain. Mm-hmm. All right. I think I've covered all the major moments. Did I leave anything out? No, John Lithgow, terrible, plain. I think you got the big stuff. We got the basics there. All right. Let's let's go from the heights of this to some deeper thoughts. And now, deep thoughts. I have an opinion on this matter. Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. It's very deep. Thank you. All right. So first question, do you like this movie? And when's the first time you saw it? This was the first time I had seen it. And I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Yeah, same for me. This was also my first viewing and... I kind of went in with fairly low expectations. My expectations were heightened just a bit because I knew John Lithgow was the villain. And I mm. was like, I was like, all right, okay. And so I, I went into this. I'm like, well, I, I remember seeing the trailer for this. And I remember even at age 13, I was like, all right, that's probably a brainless summer blockbuster popcorn flick. And I'm, I wasn't wrong, but that doesn't mean it's not enjoyable. I think I said, I, I probably said that this is my first time I would watch it too. I had not seen it before this. So, but Patrick, you have seen this one before. I have seen this one. I saw it pretty close to when it came out. Okay. I don't think I went and saw it in the theater, but I'm pretty sure when it came to video, I saw it, I saw it at some friend's house. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I remember when it came out. Great movie. Loved it. I mean, listen to our collective works and you'll see pretty quick. It, it tends to have all the things that I like in it. The villains were bad guys and, yeah. you know, Chris Stallone being awesome. He looked good in it too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he was just very entertaining. He was in great shape. It was great seeing Yondu in there. Of course, I didn't know it was Yondu back in the day. I just mm-hmm. knew it as the guy from, from Days of Thunder. Yeah. But yeah, it was just awesome stuff. 
And I remember everybody that saw it in the theater would come back and be like, dude, some guy got totally stabbed with a stalagmite, you know, just <laughs> like, that was the thing that everybody, that's the mm-hmm. only thing I know about this movie going into it was that okay. some guy's going to get impaled on a, okay. It's, I know it's, no, is it, is it a, is it stalactite is the one that's point down or is it the stalagmite? Stalagmite. Stalactite is the one pointing this. down. Okay. Then it was a yeah. stalactite, right? So some guy gets stabbed on a stalactite and everyone's all fired up for that. I think I've, I think I saw it then. I think I've seen it once or twice since then, but I don't know why I've only seen it that many times because I could rewatch this thing all the time. It's just fun. So yeah. love it. Yeah. And you kind of, Pat, I, th- I think, I don't remember if this was you or Bo who said it just a few minutes ago, but basically the idea that, and I think the the guys on the Shirley podcast, if you're not listening to their show, you got to go check out the guys on the on the Shirley You Can't Be Serious podcast because yes. they have a great show. And they just actually re- just recently did some episodes where they featured Groundhog Day, which is what we're doing next week. Mm-hmm. But I think Dave mentioned this before. I can go all the way back for our show. I know when I talked with the author of the book Brat Pack America, his name is Kevin Smokler, and that was like all the way back on, let's see, I, I had it right here, episode number 228. For our show. So that's back like February. Actually, it's, it's almost around this time. Uh, February of 2019 is when I talked with him. And that was one of the things he said. Because we were talking about 80s and 90s movies and kind of what does the, when does the, as you enter the 90s, when does the 80s movie actually end? And he kind of argued that for most, when you look at most decades, it really doesn't like the the culture and the some of the clothing and the music and the movies and everything else, it really takes two or three years for that to kind of efficient, kind of eventually fade out. So when you're looking at some of these movies, you are still looking at 92, 93 is really kind of the end of the quote unquote eighties style movie or the eighties style action movie kind of a deal. So I think that's why so much of this reminds us of, Die Hard, or it reminds us of, or it's got so many guys, Pat, like you were saying, the, the guys start walking in the plane, and you're like, oh, that's that guy. Oh, that guy's been in 10 other movies that I've seen in the last several years, and it's it's all the 80s action movie, that guy's. And it's because the whole kind of genre of the 80s action movie doesn't really peter out until probably about 1993, 94. So, so yeah, it's this has a lot of hallmarks of your favorite 80s action movies yes and to bring it up to the circle and to date this podcast a little did everyone see the reference in the super bowl commercial for paramount plus yes <laughs> yeah i thought that was kind of funny during the super bowl they had they had the commercial where they referenced cliffhanger yeah i was like wait a minute <laughs> yeah what's happening well, because he doesn't, That's Sylvester awesome. Stallone has that, was it, is it Tulsa King? Is that what it's called? Yep. Yeah. Tulsa King. He's yeah. got that show Tulsa King. So I thought it was kind of funny that they, well, I guess because the whole idea is it's on, it's on like Mount Paramount. Yep. That was the shtick yeah. they went with this year for their. Yeah. So there was a the whole cliffhanger thing. Yeah. Which I thought was fun. I was like, all right, that's leaning into it. It's 30 years. Like you're acknowledging your history yeah. and, uh, and forging forward. Like that's cool. Yeah little meta hanging from his own nose, but Hey, you know what you can do? (laughs) Exactly. You know, and I want to say that cycling back to our early conversation and and we kind of got onto a tangent talking about the 
believability or or whatnot of, of some of these movies. I think cycling back to our early conversation, I don't know that we held the 80s. What am I trying to say? I don't know in the 80s that we hold the movies to the same realism type things that we hold movies now, today, and in the 90s. Do, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, was there any part of you that would watch Commando and say, well, that's not realistic? I mean... No, probably not. Yes, it wasn't, but... We cheered. I mean, when he jumps off the bottom of the plane right. and falls into the marsh or whatever, it was just like that just made it more exciting, yeah. right? Like, And I'm, I'm going down the list of all the different action movies that came out in the 80s, and it's sort of like, I don't know if that had happened. I don't know if that had happened. I, I think that almost became a construct of later. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not, I'm sure if there are people that are climbers, that are out there and like throwing things at their, their podcast device, because I'm like, I, I get it. Right. Like it doesn't matter whether it's the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Like if there's stuff that just isn't factually correct, it's not factually correct. But I, I think, I don't know. Like I, I just, I just going along with your point, if this fits more with the eighties mold, I, I just don't remember and maybe because it was my age i don't remember taking movies apart at that level and saying well that's not right that's not right it could just be well this is the movies it's supposed to be fun and go with it yeah so this is there are moments where some of the ridiculousness and when i say ridiculousness i mean fun ridiculousness of this movie makes me think that this movie could be mistaken in some ways for a canon film Oh sure, like just some of the some of the crazy. If it was a little more crazy, then I think it could be mistaken for a canon film. I was I almost started watching the other day because I was just I, I not that I had a bunch of free time, but I was like just sifting through a bunch of different movies, and I was like almost purposefully looking for some bad movies just to put on in the background, and uh, came across a canon film that I. <laughs> I have not watched any of the ones that are in this series, but I came across the canon film Ninja 3 The Domination. Oh, that sounds like a classic. Has anyone seen this one? That does not ring a bell with me, no. Is is that because there's, there's an American Ninja 4, The Annihilation? Yeah, no, I think this is different. Okay. All yeah. Right. Yeah, so basically this one is and it's it's this 80s action movie stuff that is just so ridiculous that it's it's it has to be fun. And so I'm convinced that I need to see this one at some point. Basically, it is a mixture of from what I've heard about it, it is a mixture of a ninja movie and The Exorcist. Mm. That a a ninja goes on a killing spree is shot by the police, and his soul is into a female aerobics instructor. His soul then then possesses her and has her avenge his death by killing the policeman who shot him, and then it kind of goes from there. I'm like, the ridiculousness, and that's one of the, that's a canon film, so obviously it, it's ridiculous and crazy and probably fun in how bad it is. But yeah, it's, I, I got, I really got canon film vibes from watching Cliffhanger. In a, in a fun way. Like, some of this is fairly ridiculous, yeah. but it's kind of fun. And same thing, like well, you said, like, like you said with Commando, same kind of thing. It's like, this is ridiculous, but it's fun. Yeah, and that's the thing, is it's it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. Right? 
like even was awful seeing those the young hikers being killed like that but we aren't we never really wallow in grief or are sad other than that immediate scene it's yeah. more of like a rallying cry for them to like rise up and fight these guys off do you know what i'm saying like as an yeah. audience it's not something that we wallow in even even the whole him being resentful of Gabe for supposedly allowing his girlfriend to die, but not facing the fact that maybe he blew it by having her up there, you know, and that was never really resolved either. Other than, yeah, we kicked the bad guys' butts. We're all in it together. Like high five kind of thing. And they cue the credit music, which is fine. But I mean, that's the thing is the movie is supposed to be fun. Yeah. Right. So the only thing, so my next question for us is, we, we've talked about kind of what works for us in this movie. Is there anything in this movie that does not work for you? And I will, I can share mine immediately because it's about the only thing, I, I cut this movie some slack. It's about the only thing in the movie that kind of bothered me was John Lithgow's villain was almost a little too over the top. Yeah, he... <sighs> It sort of felt like he was, he just didn't care, like, didn't care is the wrong word, but, like, it almost felt like he was just there for the paycheck. I'm going to ham this up, chew this scenery, and the rest of it be damned. Yeah. You know? He was, yeah, he was a little much. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. Part of me was like, it almost uh, it almost felt to me like the, the director of this one was like, hey, John, Loved you in Ricochet. Can you like take that one and notch it up a few more? Like take the take the crazy from Ricochet. And, oh, and he uh, did. And, he and let's, delivered. Let's he notched that sucker for sure. Yeah. Pat, what were you gonna say? You 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 were saying something. I was just gonna dare dare we say it that he was kind of just two dimensional. He was just a yeah. bad guy. Yeah. And he was supposed to be like real bad guy. If, if know, he had a mustache, uh, he'd be twirling it. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to incur the wrath of filmgoers everywhere when I make this comparison. But I was talking to, like, Dominic and I are watching through all the Marvel movies. Okay? And we just finished Endgame this weekend. And, you know, Dominic's, like, mind blown at the whole mm-hmm. epicness of, of Endgame. But one of the things we talked about as we went through each thing was the different bad guys, right? Because I said to Dominic, one of the things I've learned in studying all these movies and talking to the guys on the podcast is, is like the bad guy is really what makes the movie, right? So what yeah. were some of the bad guys that were really, we talked about Thanos, we talked about Warm, was it Killmonger or Warmonger? Not Warmonger, Killmonger in yeah. Black Panther. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we just went through some of the bad guys that like, okay, they were a little bit deeper, right? Like, they they were bad. I mean, they were, in some ways, like, the most evil. But then they also kind of had a mission that they thought was correct, which made them m- more... Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, not into that. Just there's some of the things with Thanos where he was doing these horrendously evil acts, but then he was very sad by some of it. And I'm trying to be careful of spoilers, but if, if you haven't seen Endgame, listening audience, sign off right now, or Infinity Wars, sign off right now. You've been forewarned. But, like, the whole thing where he kills Gamora, right? Like, yeah. 
you know, we were talking about that. Like, yeah, obviously he felt emotions. He was upset by it, but it was. So anyways, the point I'm making is that those are layered people, bad guys that, okay, well, they've got something that is thought provoking or interesting, or there's some depth to the character. Like you said, with this, and I'm not knocking it because it is what it is, but I mean, this guy was just the bad guy. Like he was here to kill the good guys and say, like you said, chew the scenery and deliver lines as only John Lithgow can. Yeah. And that was kind of the, the, the depth of it. Yeah. Uh, if you were up on the mountain, who would you want with you? Would you want Hal or would you want Gabe? If you were going to get wow. rescued, would you rather have a Michael Rooker or would you rather have Sly Stallone? Stallone, because he's going to luck his way out of it, if nothing else. That's also true. I like them both, man. Yeah. Like, both guys were cool. Did you feel, so I guess a, a, a side question to this one, too, is how Michael Rooker's character blames Sly Stallone's character for doing the wrong thing and that that's what caused Sarah's death in the beginning. Now, Sly would argue that he's the only one that did the right thing, and I think Jesse even comments at some point, she's like, you're the only person that kept a cool head during that whole ordeal. Did he? We're not all professional rock climbers here, but what was your take on that? Did he Did he do the wrong thing? Was there some other course of action he should have taken? Well, I, I you know what I think? that was part of the movie that was never really drilled down on. Yeah. Right. Like the, the movie, it was just there to set up the tension between the two guys. But again, you never really get to that level of the movie where they argue it back or forth and you see the two things presented. Right. And I would imagine that again, I, I, I have never climbed in a mountain, so I don't know exactly what the details are. I mean, I don't know if that, rescue they set up was something that was merely a construct of Hollywood or if that had some semblance of what would happen in real life. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. And that's part of what I was wondering too. I was like, well, Hal's mad at him for doing the wrong thing. What does Hal believe was the right thing? Well, see exactly. You never, never get that because he said he was going to climb out there. And then the question is, how would that have been any different? Right. And then my question is like, don't they have backups and safety latches and safety harnesses and all that kind of stuff? And then suddenly we were left with the clip, you know, that one clip hanging in there. And again, I, I, I don't know that the movie necessarily was supposed to be this 100% factual thing about rock climbing. I think that was just the setting. So they needed to have that person die to set up the tension between Hal and Gabe. Yeah. Right. And to put the audience, you know, the thriller aspect of it, of, oh my gosh, she's going to fall. She's going to fall. Oh, she really is going to fall. Mm-hmm. I did not expect that to happen, you know, because <laughs> you expect the good guys to, uh, you know, win at all times. And that was an at intense scene. Was, yeah. Yeah, it was. So, like, me watching it now, me watching it when I was 14, was always just like, oh my God, staring into someone's eyes as they fall. Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing that I'm terrified by something like that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna step back and say oh wow like this is inaccurate this did you know what i'm saying now i'm not a climber so i don't have those things to bring to it but i think the idea was just for it to be terrifying and thrilling and that's the way they did it 
I think if you drill down, I, I don't know that the movie really examines that. And you, and you never even get a resolution to them hashing it out or Michael Rooker's character saying, I shouldn't have had her up there. You know, I, I don't. Right. They never explore that. So I don't know. And I mean, even that, they were in a rather secure position on that rock face. Right. So why did right. they have to suspend themselves off the side of that mountain and like zip line over to the helicopter? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and again, maybe this is just incorrect, but I mean like Coast Guard helicopters have like those little baskets that they drop down and put people in and hoist them up. You know, they could have just dropped the cable down and connected, or maybe the helicopter isn't equipped with that, but yeah, like I said, there were just a number of things that, that didn't line up for that. And I think it was just because they needed something that was dramatic and splash for the audience. Yeah. That's my, my two cents on that. Yeah. All right. Was there anything else that did not work for you in this movie? That I can think of. I think we talked about all the, over the topness of it and the, just the cheesiness of some of the stuff. But I think all in all solid effort beat my expectations. I mean, I didn't go in with much. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. Hey, go for it. You know? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see. I don't think I have anything else for this one. Are we, are you guys ready to jump into three questions? Let's do it. It is time for three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, three questions. Question number one, what is your favorite cinematic fall I had some serious thoughts about this. <laughs> I, I made a serious. What are your thoughts, man? I, I made a serious list about this. Yeah, right? Well, I don't. Okay, so the first one that pops into my head has to be Hans Gruber. Yeah. I mean, Agreed. you just, you we chewed that up that he falls so slowly. Like, it is just perfect. So, yeah. Hans Gruber's got to be on the list. There's more, but yeah. that's the one I'm going to start with, and then that's we'll your, see where we go. Okay. Is that your top choice? I think so. Yeah, okay. it's got to be. All right. I agree. Agree. That's going to be my top choice. We're daily doubling it. That one's yours too? Okay. Mm-hmm. I had I made a ridiculous list of this one, and I had so many to choose from. I went with the one... And in different ways, 
these are all some of the ones that I put on this list are just they're very some of them are just amazing piece of cinema. But the ones that kind of made it to the top of my list are the ones that when it happens in the movie, I get a little choked up. So those are the ones that I rose to the top of the list for that. And uh, and I I know I know that I, I will get a little bit made fun of for one of my runners up, but one of my runners up is going to be even when you win, you lose. Ripley taking the dive off of the platform in Alien 3 at the end. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of my runners. You know what? I've got a bunch of other runners up, but I'm sure you guys are going to probably mention them too once we get our, our favorite ones out there. So I'm just going to go with the one that every, I get goosebumps every single time I watch this scene. And it is the scene of the helicopter falling off the roof in Superman. In the original okay. Superman when when mm. uh, when Lois is hanging much like in this movie when Lois is hanging by her is it like a purse strap or something like that from the bottom of the helicopter or no it's a seatbelt she's holding on by a seatbelt in the helicopter and, uh, and the helicopter is about to fall off the roof and just that whole scene where Clark comes out of the daily planet he sees what's going on he does his quick change in the I think in a revolving door and uh, he comes out and there's the there's the guy on the other side say Jim what a bad outfit and he's just like, puts up his fingers, excuse me, and then just flies up in the air. Helicopter falls. He grabs it with one hand, and he's like, don't worry, miss, I've got you. And she just looks at him and does the whole, you've got me. Who's got you? And then the the Superman, the John Williams music swells at that point, and it's like, like every single time. I've seen that scene, I don't even know how many hundreds of times. Every time I see that scene, I'm like, that's that's awesome. Like that's, I get a little, even just even talking about it right now, I get a little goosebumps talking about that scene. So I think that's that's going to be the scene for me, although I have about a million runners up. But we've done our favorites now. What uh, what did not make the cut for you but are still some great movie falls? Palpatine? Yes. Solid. Yeah. My daughter did choose Dumbledore. Oh. That was her choice. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Very good choice. I'm, I alluded to having watched all the – been watching all the Marvel stuff. And I'll just say that again. I've already done the spoiler thing, so yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen, yeah. But Gamora in Infinity War, and then yeah. Natasha Romanoff in Game. Yeah. Those scenes were were pretty dramatic, and I every time I think, oh, it's just an action movie, I I always get pretty ch- choked up yeah. and emotional with those scenes. So. It's well, and if you even if you even want to, you can go all the go, go all the way back to the original Avengers and the when Tony falls through the the portal once he's set off the nuke on the yeah. other side of the space portal and comes falling mm-hmm. back down to Earth. Yep, yep. Say the beginning of my I, I don't know is it my favorite movie or one of my favorite movies, but uh, Skyfall when yeah. Bond is fighting on that train. I mean that that movie. Okay, spoilers for Skyfall. <laughs> Go watch it. It's one of the best movies ever made. I mean, that whole thing opens with this action sequence that is just so unbelievably over the top. Oh, yeah. It involves however many different combinations of vehicles, hand-to-hand combat, gunfights, you name it. And then it just ends with that and him getting clipped and then falling. And it's just like, it's a really dramatic end to to that thing. And you're just like, dude, did, did she just kill Bond? What the heck just happened? So that one's that one's pretty dramatic as well. You you could also do the whole skydiving thing in Moonraker. Oh yeah. 
well, any sky. Okay, so skydiving, you know, you could do Point Break. Yeah. Right. You could. I don't. I don't like that movie, but you could do it. I know you don't like that movie, John. It's my least favorite of all time. Uh, Just ahead of the room. Last of Last of the Mohicans. Yeah. Where they go off the cliff, or the you know the three hundred, you know. Yeah. But this is Sparta. This is Sparta. Boom. Yep. Yeah. Well, I had I I was a little bit surprised nobody yet has mentioned Gandalf. Mm, yeah. The Gandalf fall. We I think we might have we might have been off off mic uh, last week when I first introduced this question to you guys. But Pat, I think last week you mentioned Darth Maul. Okay. When, when he takes his tumble. The other one I'm gonna the other one I'm gonna throw out there, and I will I will do so by way of a quote. Anytime that you can have a fall and the two people falling falling have this exchange with each other. Hey, you wanna play twenty questions? Alright, I got one. Oh yes. Are you a mineral? Yes. Yeah. Are you a tank? Whoa, yeah. <laughs> ah <laughs> Yeah. Bill and Ted's that bogus journey for anybody who wasn't sure about that one. Yes, that one was great. Matrix, yeah. when he doesn't make the jump. Matrix, yeah. It's a lot of good, a lot of good cinematic falls. I think, you know, and, and your guys, your your first pick was obviously one of the first, when you think people falling in a movie, like Hans Gruber has got to be possibly the first that you think of, like one of the most recognizable cinematic falls, but yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's see. Question number two. Is there a particular mountain that you would like to climb? Like even, let's say you were a professional rock climber. You had the skills to pay the bills and not fall. What mountain would you like to climb? El Capitan. Okay. Because it's there. That's the reason you do it. There it is. Well, if you're saying El Capitan, like the only other one I know is K2. Uh, right, like, mm-hmm. right, but then K two and boy, I, they're I know I'm pretty sure they're not the same, but I I honestly don't I still get confused as to where each one of them is specifically. But I read the book No Way Down about I think it was about climbing K two. It's a fascinating book, but I suppose that one. But yeah, that's that's a heck of a thing. One of our colleagues, I think her husband just was climbing Mount Everest. Oh really? Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, and got so far, got so far up, and then came back down. Yeah, which is, I guess, what you do when you climb a mountain, you go up and then come back down. Right. Well, you you would hope so. Uh, You would hope so. So yeah. But yeah, I I suppose I would just name any of the big name ones that. You know, what about you, John? Which one did you climb? I would, of course, any chance I get to go to Scotland, I'm going to do that. So I'm going to climb Ben Nevis in Scotland. There you go. So just then I can maybe maybe just stay up there and live there. There you go. So maybe that's a mountain that you climb up but don't come back down. But that would be mine. There was always I remember in when I was in school over in in the UK, there was always like the the running joke when we would be listing like some of the tallest mountains in Europe and in the UK in particular because that's the tallest one in Scotland, you know, in in elementary school, the kids would be like, there's Ben McDewey and Ben Nevis and Ben Dover. <laughs> <laughs> I love everything about that. I, I did too. I chuckled every single time. 
All right, final question. What is your favorite cliffhanger in a movie, TV show, or book? <laughs> Before we get this... to that, I, I'm surprised that none of us said for mountains that none of us are going to climb the steps to Mount Salea. Uh-huh. That's it, fair. You know, no. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I feel like we failed the podcast. How, 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 how do you feel? Yeah. <laughs> Tell mother to. I feel fine. I feel fine. Anyways, I'm sorry. Yeah. I took a- well, along those lines, I think one of the best cliffhangers ever in my world is always Mr. Wharf. Fire. Fire. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. I- bum, bum, bum. Bum, holy bum, crap. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I did do some digging, so I have some honorable mentions, but I'm going with my, my pick is Mr. Wharf. Okay. Fire. It's hard because, you know, Empire Strikes Back has got to be the cliffhanger of all cliffhangers. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. Did we not mention that fall either, by the way? It was on my list, but I didn't mention it. Yeah, the Luke fall in that is fantastic. I can't believe I forgot about that one. The Luke fall with or without the scream. Let me clarify. Sure. Let, no, no, no. Let me clarify that without the scream. <laughs> okay. Without, yeah, I think without the scream I, makes it. Creepier. Without the scream that was clearly dubbed in by Kermit the Frog. <laughs> yeah, it's not the greatest scream I, on the planet. I hated that one. I think he was screaming Greedo shot first as, as he went down. Yeah, he could have. Oh, there it is. Actually, um, I think if, if you listen, I think what he's actually screaming is, I didn't know she was my sister. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. I have some regrets. So, so, anywho, I would say, like, Empire Strikes Back. But here's the thing is, I don't remember, like, I just remember growing up always knowing that Darth Vader was Luke's father and he didn't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't remember Mm -hmm. when that cliffhanger happened. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I remember it but it was like it was always part of my consciousness, so I, I never felt that cliffhanger feel. That's just like with Star Trek. I grew up watching the the original reruns syndication of the original series yeah, and then catching the movies, but the movies, like, it had already happened, so it was like, Spock's dead? Wait, what? Spock's dead? What? Yeah. Like, But it wasn't like I was watching all of Wrath of Khan and then, oh, they go there. So I would say for me, those two are like two of the biggest cliffhangers, but I never like lived through it to the point of do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like what are they going to do with this? Do, do you get where I'm going with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I don't want to be, and I, I'm, I'm going to go to my Marvel reference. You know, the whole end of infinity war was quite a cliffhanger. Cause when I was watching that with Dominic, he was scandalized. He, as, as the stuff was happening and various characters were, Meaning they're untimely, and Dominic was like, "Oh, Dad, no, not this guy too. Oh, no, no!" Like he was upset, and he's like, "Really? They're going to end it there? Like how dare they?" And and I guess I was just old enough and jaded when that came out, and not because I loved it, but I remember walking out just being like, "Okay, I know they're going to get out of this somehow." Do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, because I know there's going to be another movie. So so I don't so. I mean, those were like three of the biggest cliffhangers. 
I don't know, but I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's like I kind of, the first two, I think back and I don't remember ever being there and then having to wait a whole year to find, or two years to find out what they do in Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. I think it was more like it was always part of, like I already knew the result and the beginning with all of that. So I don't know. I mean, to be honest, you said books too. I think one of the biggest cliffhangers, every chapter in Harry Potter, every chapter Mm -hmm. in Harry Potter makes you need to turn the page and find out what happens next. Even the ends of the books are like that. But I'd have to say, if I have to pick one, I'm kind of talking myself through this answer. I didn't have an answer. I'm just rambling. But I think Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk myself into the end of The Half-Blood Prince. Harry Mm. Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, I think that is the biggest cliffhanger. Because I remember, like, as soon as I shut that book, it was like everybody that had read that book, I'm like, well, what do you think? What's going to happen now? What what do you think they're going to do? And just the hours and days worth of conversation Mm -hmm. of what's going to happen. Oh, my gosh. And for anybody that doesn't know, John, you've seen all the movie. Like, you're all good with Harry Potter? Yeah, I've only seen bits and pieces of the last couple, but... Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Do you know how the Half Blood Prince ends? I mean, I don't want to. I once we kind of get to that point, it kind of blends together for me. So I'm I'm sure I've, I'm sure my daughter has told me at some point, even if I don't remember. But well, I don't want to ruin it then. I no, you're fine. It, you're you know fine. You're fine. Oh, have, have you read Harry Potter? Or are you? Oh yeah, a long time ago. But okay, yeah, go for it. Okay, and listening audience, tune off if you don't, like. I don't want to spoil this, but when. Now, I'm nervous, but when, okay, final warning, Harry Potter, Half-Blood Prince, if you haven't read or watched, turn this off now. But when, when Snape turns around and kills Dumbledore, yeah, you're just like, what just happened? Your mind is like, like completely blown because you, you just, like, I just, I had no clue which way that book was going to go. Yeah. And it's not even like in the next book you open it up and like you get the resolution. You don't get the resolution until the end of the next book. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's so I don't know. I'm talking myself through it, but I think those those were the biggest cliffhangers. But I think I think that for me that I, I mentioned, but I think that uh, Harry Potter and Half Blood Prince that one takes the cake. All right, Bo, did you say yours? Yeah. What did you end up Mr. Warfire. Oh, Mr. Warfire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there, are, there are some definite honorable mentions in that category, oh, yeah. too. Yeah. So before I do mine, I want to backtrack for a second because there was one cinematic fall that we did not mention that I'm like, ooh, mm. that, that was on my list and I should have mentioned it. The Joker at the end of Batman 89. Oh, God, yes. Of course. All right, so my my cliffhangers, I as with you gentlemen, I also had a list of cliffhangers here that I was kind of agonizing over. My runners-up, I think, were, and I had a hard time deciding which one would go on the top here, but and, and some of these are just so iconic. My runners-up were The Birds, so Hitchcock's mm. The Birds. My other runner-up, I think, yeah, I'm going to put this one as a runner-up. My other runner-up was Planet of the Apes. Oh, good one. Like, like the oh, yeah. original, the yeah, they did it. They finally did it. And then I think my favorite, because this was my favorite one as a kid. Like I remember as a kid watching this and thinking, what? 
There's there's like going to be more. I'm going to go with the ending of the original Back to the Future. Hmm. Because then you, you think it's over, and then all of a sudden, Doc shows up. Marty! It's your kids, Marty! Like, Something's got to be done about your kids! Get him, but I have to back up here, Doc. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Where we're going? We don't need roads. We don't need roads. And then the DeLorean flies up in the air. That, to me, as a kid, even now, but as a kid, I was like, wait, What? It's kind of those wait what kind of moments. Now, I also get that from and, and other times where you could just kind of feel it, like feel the tension of the cliffhanger was like the end of, let's go, the end of, well, the, the end of the first two Lord of the Rings movies, but, but especially Two Towers. Like that whole scene where you've got, it does kind of, the, the camera does that slow pan upward, you know, where it starts to show you've got the you've got the, the Nazgul riding in the sky and you can see Mount Doom in the background and, and all that stuff. And that was a, that was kind of a great cliffhanger at the end of that one. And that Gollum is going to lead them astray and, and all that. So uh, that would have been definitely on my list too, but I think I got to go with Back to the Future. Good choice. You know, it's funny when those, I, I mean, this is like saying I breathe oxygen. I love the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, I remember when, I, when Tammy and I went, we all went to go see them. And I don't think, I don't know if this was, that was before, like the four hour, that was when they released them at home videos when they had four hour super cuts, right? Like the ultimate um, editions? Yeah. Yeah. The extended but, cuts? But I mean, the yeah. theater ones, yeah, the, the theater was pretty long too. And the best part was we got to the end of Fellowship of the Ring and they start walking away and it's the fellowship is broken. And I'm just like, oh, no. What's going to happen? And like, I can't wait. Oh, no, we got to wait. And Tamara was like, I was so nervous there was going to be more Murphy movie after that because I was so ready to be done. And get, <laughs> not not that she didn't like it, but she needed mm-hmm. to take a break and like walk around because we've been in the theater. She's like, I was really worried there was going to be like another hour of the movie. Yeah. So, anyways, that was kind of a kind of a funny story about that. That was that was my wife when we went to go see Return of the King in the theater, and it had the the oh. seven the seven different fade to black endings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That was that was her when we left the theater. She's like again? Really? Just fade and be done with it. I have to admit that's how I feel about uh, a lot of James Bond movies. Wait, didn't this Hold just on. end? <laughs> yeah. Love James Bond, but oh, sometimes, yeah. man. Sometimes just uh, le- less is more. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, that's going to do it for cliffhanger. Do we, we do we want to hit any of the honorable mention cliffhangers? Oh, I mean, go yeah, go for it. Inception. Inception, yes. I don't I don't know if it's technically a cliffhanger because you're not exactly uh, left on the edge of your seat, but you don't know what happened in the end of Monty Python <laughs> and the Holy Grail. That's true. Good. That was actually when we watched that with Nora a few weeks ago. She, she looked at me. and She's like, "Wait, that's the end." <laughs> I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, yeah. no, 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 they're just kidding. It's going to yeah. come back. And, and yeah, no, no, no. That's us Alice. No. The thing. Yes. We that, just did the thing, the thing, and the thing. And yeah, that one was on my list too as a runner up. Talked about those. Just making sure I didn't miss. Yeah. I kind of, I had, I admit to have Kevin completely forgot about the thing mm-hmm. until I saw it on another list. And I was like, oh, yeah. Because I think why I didn't think about it being a cliffhanger because we watched three of the darn things. So Right, yeah. 
they all sort of do this in my head yeah. and blend together. But the thing and the thing and the thing, for sure. Mm-hmm. You got the Dark Knight. Yeah. And he's he's riding off being chased by the police, and you don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Iron Man at the end of the movie. Oh, yeah, because you don't, yeah. I am Iron Man. That was so cool. Yeah. When that came out, I mean, that was, that was just, that was so awesome. Yeah. All right. Got any other any other runners up worth noting? I, th- I think those are the okay. the ones that need mentioning. Okay. All right. Well, this has been Cliffhanger. That's going to do it for this one. If you want to find out more of our episodes, 30podcast.com. If you want to reach out to us, we are at 30podcast on most of the different social media outlets. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Mastodon, like all these different social media places. So check us out on each of those. Our next episode's coming up. We have got, like I said before, this month of March is our one bad day theme. This one was Cliffhanger. Next week is Groundhog Day. Week after that is True Romance, Falling Down, and The Fugitive. Our Patreon episodes, if you haven't joined us yet over there on Patreon, any level of support there really helps out the show, but it also gives you access to these bonus episodes. Patreon, our full-length Patreon episode, will be Octopussy. Speaking of James Bond movies, Octopussy from 1983. Our Patreon shorts will be Superman 3 from 1983 and Shazam! Fury of the Gods from 2023. And then if you want to look on ahead to April, that month is a Location, 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 where the title of each of the movies has a location in the title. We've got Sleepless in Seattle. We've got A Bronx Tale. We've got Gettysburg, and we've got Philadelphia. Those are our regular episodes for that one. Our Patreons for April, the Patreon episode will be The Razzies of 1993. So that one is Indecent Proposal, Body of Evidence, Cliffhanger, Last Action Hero, and Sliver. Our Patreon shorts are Sleepaway Camp from 83 and Evil Dead Rise from 2023. So that's what we got coming up in April. So join us back here for those at that point. But but join us here each and every week. So like next week, we have Groundhog Day. It is going to be cold. It's going to be gray. It's going to last you the rest of your life. But hopefully you'll enjoy it. So as always, thank you, Bo. Thank you, Pat, for being here with me. Thank you, John. Everybody, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. And if you don't know how to climb, don't climb a mountain. I think that's what we learned from this one. Mm, that's fair. Take yeah. lessons. Take, take, take lessons. lessons. Yes, take lessons. And, and un, Or if you're like me, just don't do it. Why should I not climb a mountain? Because it's there. Indeed. How did we get all the way through this without talking about that documentary about the Mount Free Solo? Oh, yeah. Have you guys ever seen Free Solo? I have not seen it. I remember hearing about it. I've I've seen the Twitter hashtag, and yes, I would love for Alden Ironreich to have another chance to be solo. Oh, there it is. There it is. I'm part of that campaign as well. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. No, I have I have not seen that documentary. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it, yes. But I have not seen it. So that that can be another that can be our other a parting wish for you is be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies and go check out Free Solo. All right. We'll yes. see you all back here next time.